This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Um, I'm currently 28 years old and I'm here to talk about my experiences having ADHD and in the dating world. I'm so excited that you're here because when I posted that I was doing this episode, there were so many responses of people being like, oh my God, this is something that is never talked about. Like, thank you. I have so many questions. And (laughs) that when that happens, it's like, wow, we need to be talking about this Mm -hmm. because it's something that is such, it's such, it's so common, but we don't realize it because people don't talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Because okay, it's so, like, yeah, the disorder, yeah. Like ADHD kind of makes you not talk about it. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so just backing up for people yeah. who are unfamiliar, like what is ADHD? What does it mean to have ADHD? Yeah, so for in general, it can mean a lot of things. And I've actually been like looking up about how to best explain it because I like often have to do so in a short way. Um, and I actually listened to another podcast that really helps it. It's called I Have ADHD Podcast. Um, and Basically, it's um, a, neuro, a neurodevelopmental disorder um, that really like prohibits your ability to regulate both like your attention and your emotions. So it's often thought of as like just like that like young boy who can't control like their attention is running around the classroom or, like in kindergarten. Like I'm sure we can think of people, but um, like it's it's so much more than that. And the biggest piece is also um, it like makes you have lower like dopamine receptors, so you have like lower levels of dopamine. Um, so like in general, just a lot of like everyday tasks, like in adulting and in life is just harder or like more difficult to get you to do so just because of the way your brain is working than maybe other people who have more of a neuro, like typical brain um, in general. And it's just that it's also a spectrum. So like some people can have medication and it's like, you know, they're kind of fine and they don't really have the problems with emotion. It's more just attention. Some people have all of the different things. Some people, it's just, it's very different for everyone. So even though it's diagnosed a lot and it's different for everyone. And what is the difference? Is there a difference between ADHD and ADD? Yeah. So I think that like 
and like because like I, like I'm obviously not a mental health expert but I actually did I like did take psychology in my undergrad like that was my degree but um basically there's um a difference in the sense that like in terms of like ADD it's like attention deficit disorder and then it's attention like hyperactive disorder and so it's seen as when you like talk about it, it's seen as something that's like supposed to be that you have just a deficit with attention. And then the other one's kind of seen as someone who's like more hyperactive and can't like keep still. But as far as I understand, like it's kind of now in like the new um, DSM-5, like new mental health like definitions, it's everything is just ADHD. And it's just like there's different types of ADHD um, in general. Okay. And for you, what has your personal experience been? When did you first, I guess, got diagnosed and Mm -hmm. what was going on for you that led you to, you know, seeking out that diagnosis? Yeah. So I I was actually first diagnosed when I was in high school. Um, Like, I don't know if everyone has this experience, but kind of in high school, I was like, throughout all of my um, like childhood, I was really good at school. And like, I like, it was just came naturally and came easy to me. And so I was always like in the honors classes, you know, like in our, and like in just in general. And so I guess it was like junior year where, you know, things became a lot harder with like everything with SATs and all that stuff. Like I barely even remember, like, I feel like you'd, everyone just like kind of blocks that time out. But I, my parents like were probably concerned and like I was often watching a lot of television. I wasn't studying like as much as I should be, especially compared to like my younger sister who was like studying all the time. Um, and my brother and all those sorts of things. And so they were just concerned as to what was going on. Like first I was like having trouble sleeping. So I took me to like a sleep therapist. Um, I, I really was just not sleeping. I was, there's no problem. Like there was not anything happening. And then they took me to someone who like gave me like the whole kind of gamut of like tests that it comes to kind of like all of the kinds of things you could possibly have. I was like sitting in a room and you go through a lot of different tests. And then that's when I got my diagnosis. But I don't actually fully remember if it was like my parents told me and I didn't take it well or if it was like my parents wanted to soften the blow of my diagnosis. And so they told me that I had like a mild case of ADHD. That's actually how it went. And so I was like, oh, okay. It's like, obviously, I'm fine. I'm still smart. I'm still getting good grades. Maybe not so good in AP bio, but everything else is fine. (laughs) Right. So they told me that and they got me some. It was like all purposeful to get me medication. Um, for the SATs. So I took medication, got used to it, took the SATs. Once I finished the SATs, I was kind of like, I don't really feel like it's necessary. Like, it's fine. Like, I, I just thought of it as a thing that like meant that I had problems or like that I needed extra time or I wasn't good enough or I wasn't as smart as my friends or stuff like that. And I just like was like, I don't really know why. I'm fine. I just like to watch TV and not study. Um, And then I actually started studying psychology and um, I realized in university, I was really involved in extracurriculars and like, again, (laughs) junior year of college, like all came really to a head. And I like, you know, wouldn't, you know, complete a paper on time or I kept like, it was just like everything on top of another because I couldn't say no to anything. Like I just kept saying yes to everything. And like my friends know me as that as well. And um, I just like came to a head and, and like my junior year like summer I took a class called abnormal psychology and kind of like the idea of like medical students like studying disorders and then believing that they have it we like got to the ADHD unit and I was like every single time that someone said something or like we learned something I was like that's me that's me that's me that's me that's like ding 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 it wasn't just about the SATs yeah and so I like re-asked my parents for 
the doctor's notes from 11th grade, like four or five years ago. Um, And I like read through it all, like was like trying to figure it all out. And like my senior year of college, I still like was doing all the things that were like kind of bad my junior year, like not bad, but like that I was having issues with. Um, And then like more realistically was like, oh, this is why I asked, like started to look into like how like I could get to know that the person I was dating at the time also had ADHD. So he was like telling me about the things he learned from a coach that he had in high school and how he was able to correct kind of all of these um, things that kind of came naturally to everyone else. Um, And so I just kind of started on my journey from there. I'm definitely still on that journey, but it was kind of like diagnosis in high school. Didn't believe it. Didn't accept it. I'm good. Kind of like kind of a similar thing with a lot of adults is like when you're diagnosed later, it's like really hard to correct those previous things than if you were diagnosed earlier, for example. Yeah. So it's like still, you know, working on all of the things and trying to figure out what works for you. And it's not just medication. I like barely even use medication, but um, it's definitely something that really, really helps. I'm sure that a lot of people listening can relate to your experience, even though their experience may have a different timeline or may, you know, be slightly different. It just sounds like something that I've heard so many times where it's like, I remember, you know, being in high school and I remember so many people being like, oh yeah, like I need extra time. Like I get extra time on these exams because I have ADHD, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it just sounded like, oh, well, like, why are my parents not taking me to a doctor to get me extra time on these tests? And yeah, like, I want the extra time. I could have had the extra time, but I didn't. I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm just like everyone else. Like, I'm normal. Like, I don't like I don't need this. Um, right. Right. And, like, looking back, I could have probably used it, especially like on bigger tests or just like the ability to have more time to study or something instead of like yeah. always like needing to ask for extensions or getting something in late or feeling like all of those things kind of compound and they, they like one of the biggest problems is when you're like dealing with it later is like it takes down your self-esteem because you think that you're like bad or worse than everyone else around you. Exactly. It's something where, you know, people going and, and getting like trying to get this diagnosis to get extra time is one thing that's definitely like, I definitely saw it being abused, but I also have, you know, friends whose younger siblings were really struggling in school. And it wasn't until, you know, they did go to a doctor and find out about these like learning impairments or what, or, or ADHD, whatever it was that was actually holding them back and causing them to not succeed. And so it's something where it's like, I know parents are so afraid to find out, not that there's something wrong with their child, but that their child needs extra help in some way. But it's something where like, you want yourself to succeed. You want your kids to succeed. I mean, we're not here to talk about like ADHD in the school system, (laughs) but it's something that I feel like, like around high school age is when I started learning about it and hearing friends and their experiences. I'm intrigued by the fact that, you know, when you were realizing all of this in college, like you were at the time dating somebody with ADHD. So what was that like? Because I did get a lot of questions about, you know, how to be that support system for someone who is, who who does have ADHD. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. What was that experience like for you before you realized how much it was impacting you? 
I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, aka Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good, and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factor's meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factor's meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one last thing I need to worry about. And I feel good after eating the meals. Like they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially and factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factors roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat, but honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up. Head to factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 and use code seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. That's code seeingotherpeople50 at factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere, for everything, all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Yeah, it's actually funny because I, I had also dated like my like, very first boyfriend. Later on, I like found out that he was dealing with the same things that I was dealing with, like the undiagnosed portion of it. And he actually broke up with me because of um, like those sorts of issues that he had to deal with for himself that he didn't know about yet. And so then when I learned that at the same time that I started dating someone else who also had ADHD, but was kind of dealing with the things like that, like he already knew, um, it was more, it was, it was. At the time, I remember just like being like, oh, like there are things and things that he has done in his past that like I could do for myself. And that it was more like I was asking a lot of questions. And it was also at the time, it was kind of like, well, what could I, I like, like, what could I um, like 
help you with? So like, what is it that you need from me? And like, at the time, I remember, like, I wasn't able to ask a lot of those questions, because I didn't know that I like needed to. Um, But I think back then, some of our problems came probably from us both, you know, not necessarily knowing how to communicate. And I think just like, for any dating and any relationship, I think, like, it still comes down to communication. And I find like, since I've kind of been on my journey, one of the biggest things I've been doing in my dating life now is like, it's a, kind of like a straight up situation where it's like, hey, like, I'm going to need you to like, tell me like, sometimes when someone doesn't text you back, like you, you most times people get like hurt by that. But like, my brain will like really believe that like, you do not like me. And just because you didn't text me back, even if you're already my boyfriend, like, and I think that there's a problem and I come up with like 20 million stories in my head. Most people do that. But I think like, with my brain, it just like it, it expand expands to like, something or like, okay, well, there's something wrong with me now. And like this, this like inner stuff with the emotions, because you can't really regulate your brain doesn't regulate them, like coming back to reality ever until the person will tell you something. And I think that is really just like understanding it. And it's a lot of little things. Like I've been watching a lot of like partner ADHD stuff too. And it's like, for example, like there's this idea of being lazy and it's like, like, yes, like I'm not the best. My, my room often has millions of clothes everywhere and I don't always have like an empty sink, even though I want to do it. It just takes me a lot more like energy and understanding to initiate all those sorts of tasks. So it's like kind of hopefully like balancing that and understanding that it's not like your partner is like trying to do these things or often like interrupting during first dates or conversations. It's like when someone, at least in my experience, like when I feel comfortable with someone, I I talk a lot and I can talk for a while. And it's not because I don't want to hear that person or relating to them. Like a story they said, I relate it back to myself. It's not like being narcissistic. It's like trying to show that you care. And it's maybe trying to understand that person as opposed to kind of like taking it as like a negative thing or something that like, oh, like they're doing this in their job. They're lazy in their home life. They talk a lot. They you know, the words crazy, all those sorts of things that sometimes people with ADHD might be very like sensitive about or something like it's really it really hits hard. And I think like, for example, if a partner can like, then like, maybe clean the dishes like that extra time or like help them understand that if they want to start working out more, like how you can motivate someone like in a different way or like say like, hey, like, not get mad because there's clothes everywhere. But like, try and come to an understanding of like, not doing that for them. But like, they will do it on their own time or supporting them in the same ways. It's kind of like just asking what that person needs. Um, And I think that when there's two people who have these sorts of things, it's kind of like supporting each other in that same way, like you do in any relationship. It's like really just understanding that person um, with their problems as opposed to looking at it as negative or bad things, because there's a lot of really good things as well. Um, But it's maybe being supportive in a different way than you would another partner. I guess. Yeah. I love everything you just said, partially because you literally touched on like seven <laughs> listener questions that we'll dive a little deeper into, yeah. but like it, it really sounds like the, the main thing that's important is communication, which obviously, you know, I stress that so much on the show, every single situation, every single problem, every single, you know, tough time, it, it all comes back to communication and asking what your partner needs and expressing what you need. And I love that you said like motivating them to do to, you know, if they are, they want to get back to the gym, but they need that little extra help or whatever it is, like 
with the clothes like okay you have like like maybe saying sometime in the next like four days do you think you can yeah pick these clothes up whatever it is but really you know working together and not just jumping to conclusions being like oh they're lazy they don't care like oh they are never gonna do this thing Mm -hmm. like why don't you instead say like hey why don't we spend the afternoon together cleaning the apartment right yeah or is there anything that I can do like if you want me to pick that stuff up like is there anything that like maybe I'll clean up the clothes you can do the dishes let's do it together let's go yeah, or like the sometimes like when when like when I like something, whether it's like about work or passion or like I don't know, I don't know. I, I mean, this is not for me, but like some people really like doing the dishes. So it's like if you often don't like something or find something harder for you because like there's no dopamine really like hitting you. For example, for me, like it's really hard to do that. But if like you find something like I don't know, going grocery shopping or taking the dog out for a walk or something that like you like, as opposed to like maybe the other person. Um, you know, they, they might be more easy to do the things that they don't like, for example, um, or finding that compromise. And another big piece is like, there's very hard um, impulse and emotional control. Um, so like, I don't know, I've had, you know, especially in like that relationship in the first one, like sometimes some explosive arguments that like, I'm not meaning to be explosive, but it gets there. And it's kind of like taking a step back and like realizing, okay, like they're going to communicate when they're ready. Um, and it took me a long time to be able to like ask what I need and say what I need and like being okay with that because of like me always like being that person to check and like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And not thinking about myself. And I think that's a huge thing because it's very people pleasing, rejection sensitive stuff. Um, totally. Which is and even with that, like if you know that you do get into explosive arguments in the moment, you can say that to your partner and say like, hey, I do tend to do this. It's something I'm working on. Yeah. Next time that happens, why don't you say like, hey, let's go take our walk separately for 20 minutes yeah. and then come back and continue the conversation. Yeah, because also oftentimes it's not actually what you're saying. It's like an underlying emotion that you're not saying that like causes you to say that uncontrollable thing, but you're actually meaning like, Hey, like, I just want to spend more time with you. Or like, I don't know, like, can you not get mad at this? Because you don't know how to say that. Um, I think it happens for everyone, but yeah, definitely. So at what point when you have been dating somebody in the past, do you usually communicate that you have ADHD and, you know, maybe start to paint a picture of some of these things that you've mentioned? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I think that like, I, so like I've also like been living abroad for a few years. So um, I've like not necessarily been dating, dating. Like I haven't done a lot of the going on the apps and meeting people for first dates and having those conversations. Um, but I've like been meeting a lot of new people, let's say. And so oftentimes like when it comes to friendships or people I'm living with or even roommates, um, just as an example, it's like, I often like kind of tiptoe around like, well, maybe this person doesn't want to be with me or like whatever my roommate because I'm can be can be messy or things like that. So sometimes I feel it out to see how that person I think might react. Um, But like when it comes to dating more recently, I've kind of started to talk about it like on the upfront kind of like more recently with someone who I'm dating. So it's like it's not like on the first date necessarily being like, hey, like these are the things I'm struggling with. Sometimes if I feel like I'm starting to feel feelings or that person is, I'm just going to, I might be, might say like, Hey, like, I just want you to know, like I have this thing or like, I don't want to also attribute everything in my life to it, but 
once you're diagnosed, it kind of helps you understand your brain. So I kind of explain it more in like the way my brain is, which sounds funny. I'm like, hey, like there, there's my dopamine. <laughs> like I'm not having dopamine for this thing. Like it can be it's starting to become like a joke with like with my new like newest relationship. So it's like it's like a lot. Like I've definitely grown, and like back in the day, I probably would not have mentioned it ever. <laughs> I probably would yeah. kind of not talk about it and kind of like suffer internally um, about the things I'm feeling. But I think that if you find someone that you feel like you can say anything to, I think that's like obviously like when it's the best and when communication is the best. So I've just been recently really, really open about like, hey, like I need this from you. I like, like being able to understand yourself and your brain and then being able to verbalize that is I think really difficult always. Um, Cause one of the things I like, I'm really bad at making decisions. I'm really bad at knowing what I want. Um, so helping someone to talk through those decisions and stuff. So like in the past, before I like probably went on the more of this journey, I think I would not really talk about it. But more recently, I've been more open. And I think that every person can feel more comfortable. But I think in general, this whole idea of like thinking that this problem will cause someone to run away is also that's not really like the person for you. Um, and I think that sucks. <laughs> but I think that like, ideally, if it really is part of like your everyday life, and like, often you have to deal with something related to having ADHD, it's going to be important for the person who you're dating to kind of know that and understand that, like, I'm going to be 30 minutes late to like probably every single date. So like, it's not because right. I don't want to be with you, but it's just how I'm, how I'm wired. So maybe totally. you say eight, you go out there at 8 PM, but like, we say 7.30, for example, something like that. Oh, I, I literally tell Jake to like tell me a time 30 minutes before that yeah, I need exactly. to be ready for somewhere. Yeah. And he knows like when I say I'm ready, I'll be like, go get the elevator. And he's like, no, you you have another seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, at least we've like established that and we're on the same page. That way I don't have to feel so terrible and you don't have to like build resentment for yeah. me being late. But yeah, I think there's so much power and almost like empowerment in learning to communicate because it's one thing to, you know, sit there and like fake it till you make it and try and hide this thing. And, but then you build up this fear of like, well, what if they don't accept me? Or yeah. what if, you know, me finally telling them this changes how they feel? And it, it is hard to, you know, tell somebody you're getting to know like, hey, here's this thing about me. Yeah. It is really hard to open up. But I think, you know, everyone can agree that when you do it and you realize that like this person can show up for you, yeah. it's the most empowering feeling ever. And it also helps you like build that trust and become more comfortable with them. And so it's something that whether it's ADHD or anxiety or depression yeah. or something from your past, whatever it is, like try and challenge yourself to open up to somebody you know, again, like you don't have to do it on the first date, like do it as yeah. you're getting to know them and you feel comfortable and it doesn't seem as scary, but I think that everyone would feel so much more just better about themselves if they allowed themselves to be vulnerable in that way and, and see this person's reaction, know that this person accepts them and is here for it and also has the opportunity to show up for you in the way that you need. Yeah. I'm also like in the past, like, I think it's like for anyone, but like also sometimes like having like a really good interaction with someone, like maybe I'm not trying to date, but like I went out, I met someone, like they're really cute. Like maybe we hooked up or whatever it is. Like, it's kind of like, 
my brain gets like really like obsessed with that one thing. So I'm like hyper focusing on that person and like maybe making up because I like, you know, I, like I love all these movies and Bachelor and all these speeches and whatever. And so like it makes up all these things that probably don't exist. And then like I might see that person again and, and then it, I'm not really like really probably being myself. I'm kind of like just acting at what I think this person might like and totally. like hiding those things and the things that I'm hiding that I've been hiding is so long. Like even in college, like I hid that idea of like not doing well in these classes or failing this class and all the problems that I had my junior and senior year, I hid that from all my best friends, even in college, like at that time, this might be the first time like some of my best friends are hearing about it. So it's like, I think like the, the hiding and stuff and the shame that you put on yourself lowers your self-esteem and then it makes it harder for you to get out of that hole. And I think that like, for me, I've personally found really over the last year and a half, two years of like, I'm just like straight up communicating what I need and what I'm feeling. And it's like, I think it's definitely like very empowering and like people that don't like you for that, like that's like on them. It's not really on you. And I think that like, as I'm saying this, like I still don't really probably fully believe that. Um, right. But I think that like the more and more you're able to be able to just say it and find, first of all, like I don't really know what I want half the time, but finding it out and saying it, um, I think it's just better for everyone involved because then that person's also getting to know the real you as opposed to just getting to know this fake version of you that you're trying to right. like, there's this like idea of masking, especially with ADHD, like you're masking yourself to look like you're that other person or what you think is success or you think is normal. Like it's not really real. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about it, you would never want your friend to feel yeah. like they have to hide that from you. And you would, what would happen if they told you this, you would support them. Yeah. And it's so hard to flip that narrative and say like, oh, I can be open about this thing because the people in my life who love me will support me. Like for some reason, it's so difficult for us to do that, which is why it's easier to just, you know, pretend like and create this facade that everything's okay when it's not. But I think if we were able to, you know, think about it, like if our friend was struggling with something, we would hope that they would come to us with it so that we could be there for them, you know, recognizing that the same works. It works both ways like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, sometimes like by saying that you feel like you might be a burden. Like I know, I feel like when I tell someone like, Hey, I've actually just been like watching TV all day, like in my depressive state, like I'm not actually just like at home doing work. Um, so it's like, you don't want to be a burden to that other person. You're so scared about being a burden. But at the end of the day, like if that was something that they were dealing with, you'd want them to come to you. Yeah, exactly. So when you do communicate that you have ADHD to somebody, or if you were to on a date, or if you like when you have in friendships, roommate chips, whatever it may be, what has been, or what would be the like ideal response that you would want to receive? Mm -hmm. Um, I think like initially, like, because for, for me, a lot of it was trying to understand my brain, too. Because, like, once I, like, accepted everything, I was like, okay, well, that's right. Like, it's not just that I'm, like, lazy or whatever. It's, like, that my brain is feeling this way. And, like, how can I do it? I think the ideal response is, like, part of it's, like, not really putting too much onto it. Like, you're more, like, like I'm more than this, like, part of my, like, I'm more than my, like, brain. And my brain's really cool. Like, it has a lot of great things. Um, but most of the time, you're probably going to talk about or inform this person on a date or your friend of like the negative things to kind of prepare them for like the bad things as opposed to the good things. So I think that either like an ideal response could either be like, oh, like thanks for telling me like, you know, like what kind of like stuff does that come up for you? Or like, like 
talking more about it, but also like maybe I don't really want to talk about it. But sometimes like could be good as like like kind of like I feel like it would be like a shock in some way, like a really nice shock of like, well, like what do you like what do you what do you like about that side of you or like what do you want? Oh, I love like, that. What do you think it brings more positive to your life? Because like it's allowed me to like do so many things in my life and be passionate about so many d- different things at the same time and be creative and come up with new ideas and I don't know, be fun and like whatever. So I think that that's something that you don't, I don't think about often. Um, and I've seen on some like things I've been reading and I think that it's a really interesting conversation to have, but also sometimes there's that. And then there's also like, well, you know, okay, well, like, where do you want to travel next? Like, let's just like, we can talk about something else. Like when, when you need something around it, like tell me and like, don't be scared to tell me, but like we can talk about anything else you'd want to, if you don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I like that, you know, giving somebody the option to discuss it or to not or to discuss it at a later time. Um, But I absolutely love what you said about like, well, what parts of that do you love? Like what has made you you because of it? Um, Because I think that also just celebrates our differences and our similarities and just like what makes us human. Yeah. And that's something that we definitely don't do enough. Like, I definitely think like me being anxious and having anxiety has made me, you know, more caring. And because I always want to make sure that my friends and family are not experiencing that. Yeah. And that's something like until this very conversation, I've never (laughs) thought about that. So I think that is so, so cool. And I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah. It's also like, I, like I had an ADHD coach for a lot of COVID. Like I was going through like trying therapy. There's like therapy, like talking about everything. And then there's coaching, which is like, they give you like a task, like, okay, this week I'm going to like do three push-ups today, or like, I'm going to like check off and send them a picture that I like am in my workout clothes or like something. And like one of the things that they're always asking, you're like, okay, well, what are like three things that you love about yourself or stuff like that? And it can relate to ADHD and it cannot. And I think that that's, often something, especially I think when it comes to dating and like coming up with like, I don't know, things you want to warn someone about or things that they have to prepare for, or like treat you in a certain way or like help you or support you. It's like most of the time, like something that you see as negative almost that you want them to support with as opposed to like, I'm great. I'm awesome. Even though this is part of me and stuff like that. Yeah. 1000%. I love that. (laughs) Okay. I want to get into some of these listener questions. Um, we have, like I said, touched on or even answered a bunch of them, but there Mm -hmm. are still some more to dive into. Um, how do I deal with a lack of text responses? He gets embarrassed for forgetting. So I assume in this situation, he is the one who has ADHD. Yeah. Well, like in the sense of like, like he getting he gets embarrassed about not texting is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, in, because I know we, you mentioned like how you yeah, yeah. Re- react to lack of texting. Yeah. I guess this person like get maybe gets distracted and just like forgets to respond, whatever it is. Yeah. I think that like that person is probably like in terms of getting embarrassed, I'm sure that whenever they're texting back, they're constantly probably saying like, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I think that one of the things like I, I, I think that it's like ideally not like I've really, really, really recently learned it's ideally not conversations for texting and these sorts of things, but like if that person on the other side can also reassure them that like they don't have to keep being sorry, like they understand. And like, even if you, even if it is something that you have a problem with, like you can also ask for your needs and say like, like, I just want some reassurance that like, you know, it's not that you're like off doing other things or with other people or whatever it is like that you are like, you know, like that reassurance between the two people, but it's also like, 
you reassuring them that like, you know, that this is something that like, they're not necessarily the best at or that they're, that they struggle with and they don't have to be embarrassed. Um, maybe we can find another way that works better for you to, for communication or something like that. Yes. I like think it's really important to be like, we can call every so often or like something that you don't have to like keep remembering or something like that and work that out. Like that works for both people. Absolutely. Somebody had messaged me, a listener DM me explaining that they were neurodiverse and for them having small talk on the apps was very difficult. And so I suggested like, okay, well, you know, if you want to use dating apps, you can't really avoid doing that, but why don't you try sending voice notes instead? Yeah. Because maybe then... Yeah, you can get across like more of your tone in it. And, you know, when you listen to a voice note, you're more likely to just like respond in that moment because yeah. you listen to it. It's like having a conversation. So it's a little different. And um, I will, I got asked for how that's been going because he yeah. said he was going to try it. But I think that's a great way. Like you said, like maybe there are different types of communication, whether it's voice notes or, you know, maybe you don't text all day, but you have a phone call at the end of every day or a FaceTime every few days when you're not seeing each other, whatever it is. Um, I think exploring those different options and approaching it as like, all right, we're in this together. How can we as a team make this work? Yeah. It's also funny you say voice notes because like I love them too, but I also, as you were saying that, I also realized that sometimes the like overwhelm that I experienced is like one of the things that comes with my ADHD so much is like once I'm at all feeling overwhelmed, I kind of push it under the rug and like watch TV or something. If someone sends me a long voice note and I'm not able to focus on that right now, I'll often forget about it sometimes and push it to the side and like then watch it like three days later. Um, And sometimes I'll watch it. I'll write notes about what I should respond and then I will still respond a few days later. So like a lot of my friends know that like I like voice notes in general, but I'll often sometimes respond in text or I'll voice note, but I want them to respond in text. Respond in text. Text is a much faster situation. So it's like, yeah, I can just like get it out kind of and then like move on. But sometimes voice note, you have to dedicate more time to. Um, but I guess like for everyone, it depends. And I still actually don't really know what I prefer. But I think that sometimes I just like, like, like I think voice notes can be great. But I think that like if someone wants something from me right away, like it's not going to work probably with a voice note. <laughs> the art of the voice note is so fascinating because for me, like I've literally had to tell friends, if you send me a voice note over one minute, I'm not going to listen. Yeah. If you send me like voice notes should stop at 30 seconds because <laughs> also you can't fast forward or rewind. It just, if, and like sometimes your screen goes black during it and then you have to start from the beginning. So I, I have definitely told people like, set, please send me shorter voice notes. If you send it longer than a minute, I'm not going to listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you are going to send me a long voice note, can you send me like a TLDR in yeah, text yeah, yeah. of what it's about? Because yeah. yeah, sometimes I will be in the middle of doing something and someone sends me a voice note and I agree. Like I just, I don't, I'm like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I go on a walk, like, and I have like three, like sometimes I have, friend, I have friends that send me five minute voice notes and I'm not going to listen to it right away. Like they should know that hopefully, but I actually really enjoy because I, I get a lot of information from that, right. like a yeah. full catch of update without a phone call, even though phone calls could be better in the moment. But like, it's kind of like, I'll go on a walk and I'll listen to like my three, five minute voice notes and then like respond to them all a day later yeah. or something. Yeah. It's a lot of trial and error going <laughs> yeah. on here. All True. right. Next question. Can losing interest in someone overnight be a symptom of ADHD? That's a really good question, actually. Um, so West, I don't know about overnight, to be honest. Um, I don't like probably everyone with ADHD, like I'm saying again, is like very, very different. different. Yeah. But I know for me, um, it's something that I was worried about because the idea of like 
Like we're very much focused on like, okay, this is dopamine for me right now. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. This is great. And then it kind of like when it, when the dopamine dies down, you kind of start to like maybe be bored. And at least it's something that I worry about, especially with my brain and the way it works and something that you kind of have to like work through. So like I might ask the person I'm dating, at least for me, like say like, like, hey, like I'm starting to feel this way right now. It's not about you at all. Actually, it's about me. And I maybe I just need like more dates more fun activities, more things like most people need when, you know, you're in a thing for a longer time. But like, I don't really know if I can answer that question fully. I think it's very situation dependent. I think that like, it could be that like you met the person and you like them in the moment and it's exciting conversation, or maybe the activity you were doing was exciting and you were feeling excited about the activity, but you weren't sure about the person that you were doing it with. And then overnight you thought about it more. Um, it could be with ADHD, but it could also be in general, the, the yes. you decided it didn't really click or something else happened. Um, but I think just like the dopamine part could be part of it or just not knowing what you want in general. Um, and yeah. Then, I, th- yeah. I think there would definitely be a lot of other factors yeah. at play. I mean, again, to reiterate, like everyone's experience is different, yeah. but I don't think a symptom of ADHD yeah. would be described as every day changing your mind about who you want to date or like really yeah. liking someone and then just not wanting to be with them. Yeah. I think like a more of a sin would be like maybe indecisive in some way. And sometimes like not for everyone, but like, I like like feeling like one thing with one person, one thing with someone else, like maybe you're dating multiple people and you just like, don't really know what you want. Like that's definitely happened to me because most of the time I don't know what I want and I go with what the other person wants sometimes in the moment. And then like you think about it, but I don't think that like straight up that's a symptom. I think it could be, from another symptom that you're, you know, second guessing or something like that. Um, but yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Ways to over, to avoid overpowering the conversation and constantly <laughs> interrupting on in-person dates. Um, tips or ways. I mean, I'm still learning and I think most people are still learning. Um, I definitely have more recently. I honestly think like only in the last three years have noticed myself being more of an interrupter than I would like. And it also goes back because like most of the time, um, people with ADHD have some sort of someone in their family that also probably has ADHD. Um, And like I've noticed sometimes in my family settings, like who is doing that? And like, I'm not going to name names now. But I think that um, (laughs) like in general, sometimes I like catch myself um, in the moment. I don't like catch myself. I'm like, look, I might still say I'm probably still going to say the thing I wanted to say. I'm like, even this conversation, I don't maybe I'm interrupting sometimes, but like it's kind of like. I will say, like, sorry for interrupting, like, when I realized that I did it already, like, afterwards. And so, like, what was it that you wanted to say? Because my brain will remember what they had said. So it's like, what did you want to say about that thing, like, about your brother or whatever? Like, sorry for interrupting. I just, you know, got excited for a moment. It's kind of like a self-correction that my brain wasn't able to do. But then, like, another part of me was like, oh, I felt that. Let me, like, self-correct instead of, like, feeling bad about it for a while. I kind of just do it in the moment. Um like, you could explain, like, why, but, like, it's not necessarily necessary in that moment. Um, but in general, like, I don't think it's, like, the best solution to just decide not to talk much or, like, just, like, listen. Because you also want to be able to share yourself in a conversation. But you should also just try and be a little bit cognizant of, like, letting that person talk. Like, in general, for anyone with ADHD or not, it's, like, you want to have two-way conversation. Um, and I think that if you're on a date, you shouldn't be so hyper, like, controlling of yourself especially sometimes when I feel more comfortable on a date or in a situation like I'm gonna talk a lot more 
Um, So like if you notice that too, that's actually probably, in my opinion, a good sign if you feel comfortable. Um, But I really think like the self-correct after that moment, especially with interruption, has helped me be able to like still get there and what they wanted to say, but me still, I say what I wanted to say. Um, But I think it's really like at some point, if you get to know that person, like a two-way street of like, I've had like a friend be like, hey, like I was talking (laughs) kind of thing (laughs) in like a friendly, nice way. Like, but they know that like I'm comfortable. So I'm just going to keep talking. Definitely. I think another thing that could be helpful is in a date setting, going into the date, challenging yourself to learn about this person. Exactly. Yeah. Like I want to come up with like like, three things I learned about this person because exactly. Sometimes you like not knowing what you want or making a, being able to make a decision. Like I know for me, I've often struggled of like, well, I like that person because they liked me without actually knowing anything about that person. Like yep. that's how most of my relationships have probably Speaking started. My language. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, you can't really like enter into a date and then like, you probably might've had a really good time because you were talking most of the time or you were interrupting right. and you want to be able to have the things that you learn. And I think that like, that's a really helpful like thing with the mindset of going into the date to begin with. Um, but I like, but it's also like, hopefully that person can like also like able to share those things or keep up with you in some way. Um, but I really think that like, there's one step of like the mindset before and then also during, because once you start to feel comfortable, it's just gonna pour out. <laughs> exactly. All right. What to say to a new romantic interest when they say that ADHD is not real? I've had a few people tell me this. (laughs) Um, So that's actually like one of, I think one of the hardest things, I think with ADHD, especially because it's being, it's like off, it's diagnosed a lot. And I think it's starting to have more of a conversation now. Um, For me, I like personally, I would try and explain a bit maybe like in the moment um, because it's really understandable for someone to have that understanding, I think, just because it's like not that like talked about, like all these other sides, like the emotional control side is not talked about. Like it's mostly just talked about the attention side. Um, and I would like, honestly say like, you might, I understand like why you believe that, like, this is my experience. I have this, like I've been on this journey and like, I can tell you all the things that I'm dealing with or whatever. And like the way my brain works and what medicine does to my brain, like that, that, that it really does like show that like, it's kind of real or like all the people you could talk about, all the research you could have. Um, but like, if you're still going to really believe that, like, I, like maybe this isn't a conversation that like we want to have, like you won't really understand me fully. Um, if you fully believe that, um, but like, those are some of like the kind of things I would say. And like, maybe just have like a few things that you could kind of bring up that like you are, you know, working with. But I think that like, if it's, it's kind of different in the sense of like, they're like, it's not real, like done or like, it's not real. Like, I don't really like think it's real. Like it's maybe open to a conversation. Um, but yeah, I think like yeah. it's really difficult. And sometimes like, I'm just like, you know, like I don't, I, I can agree to disagree. This isn't my battle to fight. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, this person's not for me. Yeah. It's not my, yeah. Not my and also like, I have like many friends with ADHD and they all deal with it differently. Like, like I like was telling a friend, like I was coming on this podcast and like, well, what are you going to talk about? Like, and I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like we each have different experiences. So everyone can deal with it differently. And some people just need the medicine and some people need more. So I yeah, I, I think an unfortunate part of 
the problem that would lead to people saying like, oh, it's not real is just because of how much it's been thrown around so casually. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm being so ADD right now. Like, oh, like that's so ADD of me to not do this thing or to do that thing. And that's something that like we grew up hearing and saying to people, not understanding and this among many other things, like not understanding the repercussions of it and what we were actually saying. Yeah. And it's also like this, those like cartoons of like the chipmunk, like looking around like 5 million ways or something. And then yeah. also another, I think another big part of it. And like, I'm not like, again, I'm not a mental health expert and this is not to like say that everyone is in this category, but from what I've read and understand, like there's a very different idea of like ma- male having ADHD and like, the way that ADHD is exhibiting itself in women um, because it's like often diagnosed like when you're younger for boys because like you're kind of rambunctious and all over the place and stuff like that but for women it's like much different in some ways like it's obviously everyone can be amongst whatever because you know genders can like go in different ways but I think that like there's just a lot lot more research and coming out about like the way that ADHD is affecting itself in women and the way it affects itself in men, because it's mostly was studied in the beginning as a thing with men and stuff like that. Um, That's so interesting. I didn't know that at all. I don't know so much. I've only started learning about it recently. Um, But yeah. Wow. (laughs) That is interesting. I have so many questions now, but like, (laughs) I got, I'm going to do some research after this. Um, Okay. Uh, Two more for you. Mm -hmm. How do you make your partner understand your periods of over-focusing? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think that's like not something I've, I've dealt with. I think I more have been focusing more on like the side where like you can't initiate the focus or like you're focusing on the wrong thing. Um, but I think that sometimes it's like, I kind of will just kind of say like, I'm, you know, really focusing on this thing right now. And it's like, you kind of can't get out of that. And, um, like sometimes it's like me with like a binging a TV show, like I have to finish all of it before I can like go to sleep or have that conversation and like they'll be like he'll be like no like we got to go to sleep and I'm like, like it's time to go to sleep and like, like no, no. like I have to finish this episode like I won't be able to sleep if I don't because I'm like fixated on the storyline of this character <laughs> or something like that um but like with like work or other things that are probably more productive I think um it's kind of just initiating like hey like I'm really needing to focus on this right now and it's like doesn't really feel too difficult in the moment, but I think that I haven't dealt with that as much more about the things that have been unproductive in my life or like that I can't focus on this or like ways to like not distract me maybe because like that is it can be a distraction that like I like like the the dating or the relationship can be a dopamine that I think that I like as opposed to like maybe the work that I'm doing in that moment is not like exciting me or something like that and saying like hey like I need to do this and I need to focus on that um, as opposed to maybe like, Hey, I'm, I'm not focusing on this, I guess. Yeah. I think bottom line, it comes down to just communicating like (laughs) whatever the thing is. It's like your partner might not know unless you say like, you can't expect them to assume that you're doing or not doing something because of whatever reason and, and just, you know, really putting it out there and, hopefully they're understanding or willing to understand. Um, and if they're not, then that's a bigger conversation that requires a lot more communication. Yeah. And sometimes just be like, send like a text and be like, Hey, like I'm not going to be communicative for like this period of time because like I'm doing this or like, yeah. And I'm, and I'm asking, I'm going to be asking for like, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be asking for more of those texts from you. Like if you're leaving, I'm going to want to know that you're not communicating with me for a period of time or something. Um, totally. Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. My last question for you, and this is my favorite question to ask, <laughs> is what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received? It's a good question. Um, I haven't, I feel like I've just gotten like pieces of dating advice from like all different kinds of things. And the, like, I'm just going to say the first thing that came to my mind, but it's, it's really just been, and it's something that I want and like something I see with my parents is that like finding someone that really, really feels like they're your best friend and that like you are inherently comfortable with and like there's no questions there, even though I think that's also like the scariest part of it all um, in some ways because there's no questions and you're so comfortable. It's like, is that, is that actually happening? Um, but I think that like if you're fully able to be yourself and like with all of the positives and all of the flaws and that doesn't always happen. And you can check like five to 10 times to see if it's still happening. But then that's kind of like who like is maybe meant for you as opposed to like the idea of picture, like what you might picture yourself or like what you imagined when you were younger, the things you're watching on all of these sorts of TV shows or reality TV. It's like really like in the moment, like really one-on-one, -on -one, like not what anyone else is saying to you, but like how you're feeling with that person um, and yeah. how they feel with you, I think is what's the best. <laughs> yeah. There's like literally nothing better than just being so comfortable and, and, you know, like having your partner just be your best friend. And I think that's absolutely something that like is worth waiting for and searching for and, and finding. Yeah. And I feel like it's also something that you can't really find. Like it's like, you can't, you like, it's like not like you can't find it, but it's like, you only know what's happened when it's ha when it happens. Like, like yeah. you can't really, it's really, it's kind of hard to create the like, feeling comfortable thing like you can yeah. but when you feel it you kind of know which is maybe and, why and that's what makes it so special it's, like it's rare you can't just really, like have yeah. it with anyone yeah yeah well thank you so so much for being here I am so glad that we were able to have this conversation and I hope this you know encourages other people to have these conversations whether or not they have ADHD but just to really you know keep keeping it at like the front of people's minds and, and being more open to learning about it. I mean, there's even, like I said, like so much more that I want to learn now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I really appreciate you being here and being willing to do this. And I appreciate everyone who sent in questions and yeah, yeah. I'm just really grateful. So thank of course. You. And I think that like one of the biggest things for me at least is that like everyone's brain works differently regardless of like, if you have a disorder or not. And I think that like, also I hate the word disorder, but um, I think that that's just like something to think about regardless, like on any date that you're having is like what that, how that person is not just like feeling and emoting and talking, but also like their brain is like working in a specific way and like everyone's brain's different. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got to really give people the chance to be who they are and share why they are that way. Yes. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. Please, please, please send this episode to a friend or to the group chat who would love to hear it. Share it on your story if you loved it. Make sure you're following Seeing Other People. And if you have not yet given a five-star rating and review, it means the world to me. It really, really helps more than you know. So again, appreciate you all so much. Thank you again for tuning in. And this has been Unfiltered. Bye.